As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show. Welcome. To the Athletic Football Show. Today's Friday, July 1st. I'm Robert Mays. Really fun show for you guys today. Talking about some offensive lessons. We did the defensive version of this pod a couple weeks ago. Just the lessons we've learned from re-watching some of the best offenses from the NFL in 2021. Here to help me do that, my good friend, Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? Doing very well. Uh, yeah, the phone call we had this morning was pretty funny when you're like, why are you tweeting about the Rams defense if we're talking about offense today? I was like, I was watching, I'm watching AJ Brown. Don't worry, don't worry. But that was not, I was mostly mostly trying to tease out an idea we're going to do next week. So yeah. just like j- getting the juices flowing. I'm, I'm very curious. How are you feeling about these historic uh, USC Wisconsin matchups that you're going to be able to watch in the dead cold right? of November it's at, at Camp Randall this year? It's great. Can't wait to go to the Coliseum. I, I'm, I'm excited for a... USC Northwestern week before Thanksgiving game like that. That is something I'm looking forward to. to I seeing. am so pumped. If you're a kid like went to modern day, right? Like you have all these high stakes high school games. You grew up in Southern California. You've nothing. You've known nothing but playing at 70 degrees. Beautiful. Yeah. Every game matters. It's November 12th at what feels like 9 a.m. to you at Ryan Field playing to a half-empty team or a half-empty stadium. I cannot wait for that moment for that kid. Yeah, those empty stadium games are a little different when it's like, oh, we're in, we're in the Bay Area. This isn't so bad. But now, oh, yeah, imagine going to Indiana. Yeah, we got oh, some you're, of those. You're, yeah, you're in Champaign. Purdue, West Lafayette. Yeah, that's a good one right there. Also joining us, who's giving us consistent, I am disgusted at this conversation looks right now, is Southern California resident Deontay Lee. <laughs> I don't know what any of these struggles are, and I, I really don't wish to know. It's actually it's funny. I'm I'm, I'm putting on a little extra show. Um, Nate knows because he's in our group chat. I've been getting, I've been giving Justice a hard time about this. Uh, Justice Mosqueda about this move for the last like hour or so as an Oregon fan. Because yes. my big my big takeaway from this is like, oh, so all that Phil Knight Nike money doesn't doesn't do enough for the TV deal to keep a, <laughs> the L.A. schools happy. So I, I've been putting the fight on the fight on a fight song on repeat for like the last hour or so <laughs> celebrating this on USC's behalf. It's going to be really interesting. Yeah. 
I'm excited for those. Like I said, the the other winner, I know the Big Ten people are high fiving over like UCLA Indiana basketball. A what? Like Dude, that, that? That is like that's the cash other money. Print yeah. money. Yeah. For, just, for media rights. We don't need the battle for Atlantis. We got the Big Ten battles of <laughs> conference play. Well, it does the, give you an excuse every if you want to, Nate. I mean, now you got a little palm tree action exactly. in November for that Wisconsin game. Like, you can you imagine the people who live there. in East Lansing? Can, can you imagine how quickly they're going to buy those tickets to come out oh to the God. Rose Bowl to, to, for the UCLA oh game? The, it's going to be uh, – that. that's why they always – the bowl games all love the Big Ten. I, I was going to say – they're going to get so many pale skin beer drinkers yes. like <laughs> living in San Diego <laughs> for the bowl season is great. Oh yeah. Holiday the, bowl. The Poinsettia bowl and the holiday bowl. And you should see just like these droves of big 10 people downtown. Yeah. Like, Oh, this is what it's like at 11 o'clock at night over here we, where I'm my, from. We wouldn't even think about seven outside when the sun goes down. We put I'm in the, just, oh, I'm, I'm sorry feeling for those. I'm feeling for that like 20 year old USC student who is just like, he, that guy getting out of bed for that 8 a.m. kickoff oh, on a Saturday dude, morning. It's going to be a it's rough, rough life. Oh. You got to be able to just go all the way around. The people yeah. who are still out from the night before are going to be the ones that benefit from this. But yes. for most people, it's going to be a brutal Saturday morning. Oh, 11 a.m. Big Ten starts are tough, especially once it gets past Halloween. Those are some uh-huh. tough games when it's 11 a.m. Wake ups at 6 a.m. on game day. Woo, wind feels ones. like it's cutting your face. Yeah, it's yeah. rough. 28 degree wind chill. It's uh-huh. great. The most miserable sporting fan experience of my life was 2007, Michigan, Ohio State. Okay. It was 34 degrees and just raining sideways. I and I'm just imagining Lincoln Riley having, having to sit there on that <laughs> sideline and, and deal with that now. Yeah. yeah. It's it's perfect. He just thought Manhattan, Kansas was rough enough. Right. <laughs> just, keep, just keep going up north. Up in the scale, yep. <laughs> All right. Let's pull it back here to some actual NFL talk, even though I absolutely love that. I, I made the joke today, but I can't wait until there are two conferences and two TV networks, and that's just yeah. how we exist in America. Yep. All right. Nate, I'm going to let you kick this off because we let Deontay kick off the defenses one because he's a defense guy. Now <laughs> he's playing an away game. I'm going to let you start us off here. What is the first lesson that you learned rewatching some of the best teams from the NFL last year on offense? Yeah, I'll preface everything saying I've hinted at some of these things before, but also just like I'm a- I'm excited to to get into some of this stuff because it's stuff I've been chomping at the bit because you see sprinklings of it in 2021. So it's, it's like how how what dials get cranked up in 2022 yep. and beyond. So for me, my first one, I don't know if this is my big haymaker to start, but I, I like this one is welcome back to dig routes. And I, I <laughs> there's front side dig routes and backside dig routes. And I think we're going to see a whole bunch of them. Uh, generally, when we say too high defenses, it's as we know, the too high shell. Because after the snap of the ball, defenses rotate a safety down. Sometimes they will stay in too high and run cover six or cover four or other variations to cover two. But also they'll rotate down more of a rubber or rubber, robber coverages or like a buzz defender. So what is really like happening there is this was kind of an answer to all those offenses running over routes, all that stuff attacking the middle of the yep. field. So we've talked about this before as opposed to Just think about it just conceptually, right? Like if you drop that safety down, he's now dropping right into where that over route is coming. He's catching them. See it happen. He's catching them. That's exactly right. I'm just envisioning how the Niners play those against the Rams. Like that's 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 exactly what I'm thinking about when you just conceive of that. Yeah. Anyway, keep going. The, the like real famous one was the Niners against the um, uh, the Chiefs in the Super Bowl was the one like the Niners were running that every third down. They were doing buzz as opposed to maybe robber stuff, but same kind of concept. They're trying to catch 
those over routes. And when I'm saying this is these are three by one formations. So trips to one side and a solo receiver on the other side. And so now what offenses have to do, okay, we have, we're running Y cross all the time. Y cross is a go and over and a backside and another dig coming in behind that over route. So now is when that the primary is essentially is going to go from that over to they're going to go one more over to that dig. The dig, all these guys were all these in breakers. Digs can be at 14 to 16. They can be at 18 to 22. So you got a medium dig, which some teams call dagger digs. And then you have deep digs, which is the seven step variety or play action variety. So what a play that I think of is the Rams. The Rams really like this concept. I originally called it Tampa because it wanted why it was called Tampa because it was a Tampa two beater. Uh, they call Swiss. Shanahan and McVay call it Swiss. It's a three by one variety. If you want a visual of this, an example is Bryson Hopkins has a catch with about four minutes to go uh, in the first half of the Super Bowl. So it's a three by one variety. The inside receiver runs a through route over the middle of the field, basically like an over or more of a straight line over. There's an underneath route to tie down about six to eight yards. And then there's a dig bending behind it. So what's that doing is the through route is occupying the safety. You have the underneath to tie down the underneath the defenders. And then you have the dig taking over this huge void of space. And it's traditionally a cover two beater, but I think now the usage is going to be to beat Robert because now you're trying to beat that Robert player who's trying to catch everything. So you're taking advantage of that space. And this is continuing the thought. That's a front side dig. No, backside digs. We're going to see teams running straight cover two. We're talking about uh, more simulated pressures potentially happening in this next year. What's it? I know Deontay knows this. And I know Robert, you know this. What's the coverage that usually gets associated with simulated pressures? Cover two, right? Some funky Dean piece, like... <laughs> guys are rotating every which way. But when you look at it, it's like, oh, that's just cover two. But the safety's like the safety's the middle player and the corners, the deep half player, like everything's all messed up. But really the picture is the same. A way to attack cover two. If you ever watch the greatest uh, show on turf Rams, this is Mike Martz, how he became famous is crushing backside digs. That's what Kurt Warner would just crush over and over. I think we're going to see more and more of those and backside digs come again too. is quarters defense. Uh, I'm going to throw a defensive term. I know it's offense term, uh, offensive show, but clip coverage where the backside safety is going to be pushing to number three in a three by one concept is because that is their way to cover four verts. So when you have this clip quarters coverage where that backside safety on the solo side has to go to the trip side, you run a backside dig behind it. That's again, it's the same voided coverage right there. So I think you're going to see more and more of those. And guess what? X receivers matter again. <laughs> like this, this is going to be a continuation of that. So that's my first point. But year of the dig, I think, is incoming in 2022. So let me try to uh, convert <laughs> that into, into English. Okay. <laughs> so, Deontay, let, just stop me when I am wrong. Go ahead. It feels like now where those over routes were going to be the big hitters, where you're going to get the chunk plays on those over routes. Mm -hmm. Now, those are going to be clearing out space, and it's about taking advantage of the space behind it. That's it. I mean, yeah, that's the that's the idea right there. Just like running Y cross right off of play action or with flat routes or, you know, bubble screens is, you know, the bait. The idea is if you want to hit those intermediate areas, you're either trying to clear space vertically or clear space near the first level of the, or near the line of scrimmage. Right. So whether it's bootlegs to open up over routes or, you know, you run, you know, certain formations or get tight splits where everybody's got to drop to a deep area to protect yourself vertically. And now you can hit the over routes, you know, in that intermediate area. That's what you would do against single high against too high where, you know, you're getting a lot of depth from your safeties, a lot of depth from corners. Now you want to clear vertical space and then hit those backside digs like Nate was talking about, you know, and I think that one of the things that I saw last year to kind of reinforce what Nate was talking about was 
almost every time a team needed to pass, like needed, needed to pass, it was almost always three by one because you're getting these two high shells. And what three by one usually comes with is like pure progression passing, right? I'm working one to two to backside dig, like he was saying, or one to two to check down. That's kind of what you see. That's where football is at. And it makes sense because we're dealing with two high shells. So if we're dealing with two high shells and I know that's what I'm getting, I'm going to load my formation one way, work a progression because I know there's going to be certain layering in the coverage. And I know what's on the backside. If a team is really concerned about four verts, like Nate was saying, that just about guarantees me one-on-one coverage, either to the field side, number one, if they're playing some kind of like match quarters to the field and they're rolling the coverage over the X, then you work, you know, whatever your one-on-one beaters would be. That's where you get like your Mills concepts or you get a curl or a dig on the inside and a post over the top from the number two or number one receiver because you're draining out the coverage in the middle of the field. Or to Nate's point, the example he gave, clip coverage, which is basically playing quarters on the backside and cover two to the strength. That means that you're rolling coverage strong. So again, your one-on-one route is going to be on the backside of the coverage. So you work a progression, see if you can get it in a window to one side. If it's not there, flip your eyes. It doesn't matter what you think is on the other side. As long as you've got the platform and the time in the pocket to be able to move your hips and your eyes to where it's going to be at, you know you're getting one-on-one coverage there. And that's what you're looking for, just like, just like Nate said, over routes were the cover one beaters um, for the last era. Yeah. The backside dig is the split safety beater, you know, yeah. for this era and getting quarterbacks that can not just hit that route, but the ability to work through a progression first yes. to make sure you drain out the coverage to the strong side and guarantee you have the area, yeah. to, uh, the, the window to work in to that X receiver. That's the biggest deal to me right now. That That is, I think, you know, a, a big point that Nate just made. Yeah. Explain drain out the coverage a little bit more. So a lot of it's like I, in order to work these windows um, in the passing game, the pure progression passing game, it does require time. Right. Yes. Like and yep. we talked about it uh, a couple of weeks ago with the defensive uh, lessons that we talked about. And I think I mentioned Tampa, too. There's this clinic that I watch from uh, Dave Aranda, who is the head coach at Baylor. Right. And one of the things that he talks about all the time that he talks about in this clinic is and one of the best coaches in the country. Might yes. <laughs> at, any, at any level. <laughs> yes. One hundred percent. And what he talked about, and this was one of the most astute things I thought about was like, hey, 20, 30 years ago when everybody was doing pure progression passing in Tampa, two And some of these just like soft shell coverages were prevalent. The idea was we want to force the ball down. Right. We're going to get a bunch of depth in the defense. We're going to take away the vertical routes and then we're going to force quarterbacks to check the ball down. That's, quote unquote, draining out the coverage in an era, an era ago or I guess two, three eras ago at this point. Now, there wasn't enough space in the game. There wasn't enough speed in the game to drain out the coverage. That's why it was, hey, if my home run ball is not there, it's touchdown to check down all day long. Now, in a spread era, that opens up the that opens up an opportunity to work those intermediate areas. But in order to get there, you have to have some form of, hey, vertical stretches. Then we've got to have something in a horizontal area. And there's your progression right there. Right. I've got some vertical stretch. I've got something working, working them horizontally to where we're going to stretch out the coverage now. So a safety has to be worried about a post worried about an over route, worried about a vertical. He's got to go take that. We drain out, you know, we drain out the vertical end of the coverage, a vertical layer. We've got something in terms of stick routes, choice routes, um, bubbles, you know, you what have you. That takes away those underneath defenders. What does that leave? Intermediate areas. It's probably the best bang for your buck outside of explosive plays that you can get in the passing game because it doesn't require yards after catch. It can be a catch and tackle and still be a very effective play. Those are usually the hardest passes to come by, which is why offenses work so hard to manufacture that space. So that's what draining out the coverage is all about is getting safeties out the picture deep, 
getting linebackers up close to the line of scrimmage as much as you can short and being able to work those intermediate areas. It should be an easy throw if you do it the best and the best offenses make it look easy. Your Rams, yep. your Bucks, your Packers, you know, the list goes on and on. Those are the teams yep. that do it the most efficiently and proficiently, you know, last year and what I expect to see into the future. And, and what Deontay is saying right there about offenses too, and this is a continuation of what we were talking about with offenses and defenses and this newer wave of coaches, I'd say in the last five-ish years, is the willingness to move guys around. Mm-hmm. That example I brought oh, up. We'll get that, there. Yeah, that mm-hmm. Rams play, Bryson Hopkins is running the front side dig because they put a receiver. If they went traditional three by one, the tight end would be the guy running the through route. Right. Well, if you have a tight end running a four seven, okay, yeah. that's not really You're not draining out guys. the coverage, right? Okay, yeah. yep. But now you have a four four eight guy. Even if it's Van Jefferson or right. a guy that's a hey, that's still some heat. That's still Ooh, some guys yeah. coming at you. So it's just get putting guys in better spots. And this is what's so funny too that Deontay says this because this is it's, it's sometimes it's so funny when you say that loud. You're like, man, this really is obvious when you uh-huh. break down when you uh-huh. break down football. Uh-huh. Why do you see a lot of three by one? Well, if defenses want to stay balanced in too high, we got to make the offensive formation uh, unbalanced. unbalanced. Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's like, and then when it was single high, we saw a lot more two by two. And yeah. then like, it's just, it's just funny. It's like, that's just the simple answer, but that's how it works. Mm-hmm. It's the talking about having that speed at number three, just to drain the coverage. It's, yeah. This is not something I was going to talk about, but I've been talking to a lot of people about slot players recently. And Frank Reich mentioned this to me just about having different flavors of it for different situations, right? Yeah. Like on yeah. early downs, like you want your Zach Pascal there because you want to be able to have somebody that can dig it out in 11 personnel. We talked about this on the defensive podcast, but in pure passing situations, they know you're not fucking running the ball. It exactly. doesn't matter. Right. So it's you that having that speed option there and having that player you can put there, it's just different types yeah. of slots for different types of situations yep. where, you know, a, a generation ago, 10, 15 years ago, I think we thought of slots as like a monolith that didn't necessarily have to change situationally. Yep. So well, what you're from- saying, what you're saying is literally so true that I think every single football analyst in the world was able to pick out the Chiefs offense for the last three years off of that concept right there. Yeah. Everybody in the world knows, close your eyes, what are the Chiefs doing formationally? Oh, Tyreek Hill is number three, Travis yeah. Kelsey as the X. Why is so Tyreek Hill number three? Because everybody in the middle field in the middle of the field has to have their alarm bells going off when number yep. 10 is the guy that's closest to the quarterback, right? And now you've got this one-on-one matchup problem that can't be guarded by corners, safeties, or linebackers, at, which is Travis Kelsey at his best. You yep. can do whatever you want offensively when the talent you have at number three, when the speed you have at number three is so overwhelming that the that the defense can't just say, hey, just open up and just give a bunch of space in the middle of yeah. the field. You can't if yeah. you can't do that, that opens up the quarterback to say, hey, I can really work through my progression because I know they have to honor a guy. And this comes yeah. back to, you know, that whole Jimmy Joe's X and O's thing. If you have a guy who can fit in that space, now you can go four open and it's not going to be like what the Dolphins were last year. Yeah. Right. Or where you, teams you don't really Kelsey have to honor that could you. be. Kelsey can be an X, so right. it's like, okay, it's easy to put three wides when yep. our tight end can win every one-on-one that he gets matched up with. I mean, Not only that, really it nice. makes it easy for a guy like Demarcus Robinson when he was yes. with the Chiefs to be on the field. A guy yeah. like Miko Hardman can get on the field. He doesn't actually have to be a major piece of your passing game because you already got an overwhelming threat as a slot. Yep. You have an overwhelming threat in one-on-one coverage in Travis Kelsey. Now you really can say, we, we want to just build the rest of our receiving core to just have a bunch of speed, right? Yep. To just give you more to think about in terms of speed. Maybe you only get targeted four times a week, 
But, you know, if, if we do target you, it probably means they blew the coverage because they were so concerned about the threats that we have in these particular spaces. Yeah. Number one receiver on the backside, number three receiver to the field or to the passing strength. That's yeah. that's the meta. You know, that that'll probably be <laughs> yeah. the meta for for the for the foreseeable future, I think, in football. All right, well, we just spent 20 minutes on our first one there. So, uh, Deontay, what's what's this, your first one? That's that you got an offensive for us? conversation for you. Um, so, my thing is kind of two, two and one, um, and this kind of comes back to again like scheme versus personnel. I think that the biggest thing I took away from is like structurally, offensively, what it all comes around to. You want to be able to make your offense blitzproof, right? You want as blitzproof an offense as you yep. can, especially in the advent of the spread, right? Where protections can only really be set particular ways because you got guys that are split out you know you're trying to work the ball more downfield so you want to make it blitz proof well how do offenses go around go about doing that if you're on the extreme i use miami as an example earlier if you're on the extreme with you know miami uh the washington football team or the commanders they were like this last year it's rpos all day right that's how you yep. blitz proof your offense on first and second down. Hey, if you send pressure, we're just going to throw the ball over your blitzer's head, right? We're just building a hot throw, basically, is what it yep. is, into our run scheme to protect ourselves from negative plays. So that's great on first and second down. But what, where those offenses struggle is if you're not successful then. Now you got to yep. get into real offense and second a lot of ten. pressure. Yes, yeah. a lot of pressure gets put on your quarterback, even if you're only dealing with a four man rush to have to work through progressions, work through changing uh, coverage shells on the back end in those scenarios. So that's where it kind of gets to the second point, which is if you can't have if you don't have a scheme that is kind of blitzproof on first and second down, your quarterback absolutely has to be a punisher of blitzes on third down, second and yep. longs every single time. Super Bowl winner had that quarterback, right? The Chiefs have that kind of quarterback. The Bucks have that kind of quarterback. You know, when Drew Brees was playing with the Saints, he was that level of quarterback. And it kind of speaks to how even as like different atrophies happen within the offense, the Chiefs being a perfect example, they were not excellent, I think, in terms of play calling. Nate has spoken to this. You know, this is something that I've seen watching them on film. A lot of their play calls, you can kind of look at the situation and be like, yeah, I don't know if that was the best call in the situation, but you can kind of do what you want when it's 15, yeah. right? Yeah. Because you yeah. know he's a problem solver for you. And that's why they're able to call plays in the way that they are. That's why a team like the Rams can say, hey, we can really be on em go empty first and 10, no problem. We can open up drives and empty, right? We can do, we can go, we can go into empty on second and 12, you know, and not only be efficient, but be explosive because you can't afford to blitz us because of what we have at quarterback. Um, you know, Dak Prescott's another really good example of this yep. as well. Mm -hmm. He punishes blitzes all the time, makes it really, really difficult for you. So that's kind of my biggest lesson is finding finding ways structurally on early downs to punish teams for blitzing. And then if you end up in these obvious passing situations, you've got to have the quarterback that can handle that or dissuade defenses from blitzing or sending, you know, exotic looks at you as much as you possibly can. It's hard to survive right now if you don't have that. Yeah. It was also my first one. Yes. So looking at the numbers, it just it's plain as day when you look at like a EPA per dropback on five man or five or more man rushes yeah. last year in the top ten. Stafford and Mahomes won two like in their own kind of world. They were so mm -hmm. good last year. Also in the top ten, Kyler, Jimmy, like the, the Niners offense can do this to you for all the yes. like ills that they have. He was really really good against the blitz last year. Burrow, Rogers, Herbert that rounds out the top ten. No those are your guys on that list. Not I mean, those are your guys. Brady's a little further down than you would expect, but coming back around to this a little bit, there's a direct correlation between the guys that kill you last year when they were blitzed and the guys that didn't get blitzed, right? Mm -hmm. Mahomes, Stafford, two lowest blitz rates in the league. 
Herbert was third, Burrow, all, Kyler, all those guys in the bottom five, and Brady's at the back end of the top ten, of the top ten there. Mm-hmm. So if you, even if you weren't as good on a per play basis last year, if teams are afraid of what you're going to do when you blitz them, then you're in trouble. Right. So and it just like you were saying, Deontay, if you can limit what a defense can do to you from the start, like before the game even starts, we know this is probably off the table. The advantage that creates for you is insane. Like it is such a cheat code. And that's what all of these defenses had or offenses had last year. If you're the Chiefs and you know you're getting blitzed 13 percent of the time, that is such a huge head start over some of these other offenses that don't get to dictate the game that way. Yeah. And and I think about it on the opposite end as well. You think about teams or quarterbacks that just that don't have that. I think about like the Steelers with Big Ben the last yes. couple of years, right? And just how little you can do offensively. I think about the fact that Joe Brady got fired halfway through the season. And when Matt Rule is talking about, hey, we want to be able to run the ball more, I think that that's almost misdirection. I think the, the issue was really like, we have no answers for the fact that our quarterback can't handle pressure, right? That's really yeah. what it comes down to. You think about what felled, you know, the Colts. Coming down the stretch of the year, a team that probably should have made the playoffs if their quarterback could have had better answers against pressure, against tight coverage. You think about falling off the cliff with the Patriots, you know, down like the last six or seven weeks of the year when all the defenses say, man, why are we respecting this quarterback like yeah. he can handle pressure and can handle, you know, and, and can't handle, you know, or can handle man coverage? Let's just play man and send pressure and see if he can figure it out. We're going to force him to figure it out. And all yeah. of a sudden he couldn't. You know, you think about Zach Wilson and how bad some of his starts were last yeah. year. You know, like Science game. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Are you, guys, you think about uh, Baker Mayfield once, you know, his shoulder was really the, not working for the him. The Ravens like, against pressure against the Dolphins when they yes. Are you ready? Exposed. Are you ready for the most blitz quarterbacks in the NFL last yes. year? Yes. I'm, I'm sure I'm there's okay. not gonna be a single surprise on this list. Yeah. Lamar ready. was number one, Mac Jones yep. was number two, yep. Sam Darnold number three, Carson yep. Wentz number four. Yep. Zach Wilson was number six right after Justin Fields. So <laughs> no literally, surprise. as you were listing those off, those are the guys that <laughs> that's I That's pretty funny. Because that's, really that's exactly funny. the group. And and Lamar's is a schematic issue. Right. That is a – that's not you – know, which I've got into before. But that was a – and that's going to be one of point I'm going to have up later. But that is that is a schematic issue. But you need a dude that can beat it. It is so clear that defenses understand who can hurt you in these moments and who can't. And who can't. And yeah. if, they, if they can hurt you, the dial turns down. If a guy can't hurt you, then the dial turns yep. way, way up. up. Yeah, we, we are going up. to spam the shit out of this until you make us pay for it. And the guys that you just listed, Deontay, are exactly the guys that couldn't do it. You know, Mac wasn't horrendous when yeah. you look at just league over the right. year league rankings, but he was significantly worse against the Blitz. Carson yes. Wentz was worse against the Blitz. If you are worse, teams are going to keep doing it to you. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened to all of and, these guys last year. And to me, you know who is going to be the team I think that defines this this year is going to be the Denver Broncos. Mm. Who Russell Wilson is this year with the weaponry that they have around them. You know, the offensive line I think is just fine enough you know, to where a lot of this is going to come down to can Russ be the kind of quarterback down the stretch of the year that can really kill you if you pressure him, that can really kill you if you play man coverage? Because the more of that they get out of him, the real, I, I think the more viable they are as contenders, you know. But if this is, hey, he's on the back end of his career now or, or the ball is rolling in the opposite yeah. direction, then they really might stagnate again. You know, yeah. and then we're talking about where this franchise actually is over the next couple of years after the investment that they've made to acquire a guy like that. And this gets into a Jimmy's and Joe's thing, too, because what's the hardest thing to find is pass rushers. Yep. So if you can't blitz, you have to win with four. And not a lot of teams have dudes hardest that can win. Hardest thing to do on defense. It's the hardest thing you can find. is, And that's the 
That's the ideal defense is only rushing with four every single snap and getting home with four. It's the mm-hmm. hardest thing to do. <laughs> so it's that also ties into that. If you can't blitz, you have to rush with four and oh, shoot, and we're not getting home. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They're getting 12 a pop. Blitz them. And then it's a gash for a touchdown because it becomes an our guys versus your guys thing. That's like all that, if you can make it that and your guys are fucking better, <laughs> then you're in a lot you of trouble. Football yeah. games, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. All right, Nate, what's your next one? Oh, man, what is my next one? All right, my next one, this is a continuation uh, for really our first two points uh, uh, that we both have brought up, but it's um, getting to more vertical concepts. This is the touchdown, the check down kind of thing. And I just wanted to kind of bring up the Rams version was getting an empty, as we talked about, and providing chip help. And they, so really they're getting the seven step concepts. So seven step. Best of both worlds, baby. It's the best of both worlds. And when you're getting to spread offenses, the benefit of being in a spread offense is the defenses have to declare. You can't really hide too much when you're all spread out. All five eligibles are out there. And I can, as a quarterback and as a center, I can look around and go, okay, well that safety's, you know, he's starting to disguise over there. Oh, look, the slots capped over there. Okay. Slide of protection left. We both get the ball off. How do defenses counter with that is, okay, let's make them throw underneath. This is what happened to the Ravens. No one could be winning man. Lamar can only win so many times as a scrambler, and they fell off a cliff when yep. they were operating out of the empty because they weren't attacking vertically out of those formations. So I'm kind of tying in two thoughts here is one, it's the best of both worlds was the Rams spreading it out and attacking vertically. That was their way to do it, but there's other ways to do it. The Bucks do it in their way of being an empty, but there is this true static Empty, we're all lined up, and we're going to attack with five and seven-step concepts. You have to lean into the punch a little bit. You have to you have to be sound in protection. It's really, you have to be really sound. I mean, it helps when you have a, a phenom at quarterback. <laughs> I mean, that makes it a lot easier as a coach. But protection has to be good because otherwise you get blitzed out of stuff. Or they just manipulate you and rush four and they get a free runner. Defenses are getting so much better at that. So what you need to do is 
your rules have to be good and you have to be willing to lean into the punch a little bit. If you look at every second and long from someone Arians and left, which have been play callers, one of the funniest ones to look at is the Bucks or formerly the Cardinals empty statistics. It'd be second and long, anything seven, second and second, seven plus, it'd be like 90% empty. They're not even threatening to run the ball. They're just going, we're going to, we're going to get a chunk back on this because it's, they're going touchdown to check down out of empty. So you have to find your different ways to do this. And I'm glad you guys brought up the points of, cause I was going to bring up Stafford since 2018, the best players against the blitz are Stafford last year and Mahomes every year he started, <laughs> which is, which is hilarious. Ridiculous. Yeah. But every QB last year, and this is just tying and attacking vertically. Every Q- top 10 QB last year in EPA per dropback, eight of the 10 had 70 throws of 20 air, air yards or more. So everybody, all those guys were pushing the ball. The only two that didn't, I, I bet you you guys can guess one, because uh, he's in a certain offense and he doesn't really push the ball. But he's Jimmy. Hazard. Jimmy, Jimmy yep. G. The other one is Burrow, but he was just under. And his was just, just barely. He was and like, that's, I'm assuming, just a volume for passing thing. And that's also, exactly. just, like, that's yeah. also just like having to get the ball out as quick as possible because <laughs> <laughs> of the offensive line. That's time because he's aggressive. So, But every, all those guys are pushing the ball, pushing the ball, pushing the ball. You have to threaten defenses vertically because now that the buying, this is tying into our earlier discussions, the threat, the, the strain on the defense is on the safeties now, not the linebackers and the safety. Those are the guys you're making go forward and backward. So how you do that, put hit them over the top, and then I'll have a point about run game later. But that's how you put the safeties in a bind. So that is where the next step is. But you have to be really, really trusting your offensive line and your quarterback to make the right decision in a timely manner. So mine is kind of tied to this, my next one. This is something that I actually thought about when I was watching the Packers. They had a couple moments where the back got out and – what they could do with five eligible receivers in the field. You just feel the difference in a passing game when you have the back out and you can create that mm-hmm. just tension and, and stress on defenses. So just one of my overarching points was teams that can get five eligibles out in routes just have a significant advantage. And the numbers were really interesting when I dug into that. The team with the highest percentage of their dropbacks with five eligibles on the field last year was the Chiefs at 86%. They stand alone, like not even significantly Everyone. higher than anyone else. The Bucks were number two at 80%. The, this is math I all did. I did all myself. You can't like sort by this. So this is all a little bit crude, but those are the two highest that I found. A lot of other teams near the top of the league are teams you would expect. The Rams were at 77% with all the empty that they run. The Bengals were at 78%. It was 77, 78% or higher for a lot of the best offenses in football. The Chargers were at 77%. If you can get those guys out, it's such a huge advantage because now if teams are going to try to take away those explosive plays and you have to stretch defenses horizontally, having more guys to do that and play with that underneath space, having more bodies to solve that problem gives you a huge advantage. I mean, it's so much more difficult if you're cutting down your eligible receivers by 20%. And a lot of the best defensive coordinators in football, offensive coaches, every time I would talk to them about Fangio, I remember this last offseason when I was talking about just the proliferation of the Fangio stuff. And one of the things that came up all the time was how good he was at manipulating offenses into keeping the back end of protection, just knowing exactly how their rules were and how to manipulate them into doing that. So if the best defensive coordinators are hell-bent on keeping the back in, it makes sense and stands to reason that the best offensive coordinators would be hell-bent on getting the back out. Mm -hmm. And it feels like that's what a lot of the best offenses in the league are consistently trying to do as often as they can. 
And, and yeah. you know, we noticed, I, I think we said the same thing when we talked about it on defense, right? But a lot of this stuff in terms of our conversation points are all kind of meshing together because you know what the best offenses that give five out in the route also do punish you if you blitz, right? Yeah. Like yeah. that's where a lot of this stuff, stuff kind of comes back to for me. So it, it's funny to hear that, you know, and to think about the offenses that are near the top in five man protections, you know, getting all, all eligibles out on the route. They also either have offensive schemes, whether you're talking about the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo, who were always great at punishing you, you know, if you leave a void in coverage or a quarterback that is just blitzproof, right? Like yeah. that's what it this all kind of comes back to, I think, the same kinds of things. And it's because of these very specific situations, your second and longs, your third and obviouses, right, where you've got to be able to move the football efficiently. This is where all this stuff becomes its most important. Um, to me, I, I think the, the point I'm at now uh, you know, I'm kind of, I don't know how really to articulate this properly, but I think I probably never cared less about success rate offensively than I do right now. <laughs> I think that that's kind of where I'm at it's right explosive now. Play right. It's explosive yeah. play, Efficient Explosiveness is efficiency right now for me. Yep. And yep. it's not that you have to lead the league in it. I think it's more just no. like a benchmark. When I look uh, last year at the teams who have like the higher percentages of 20 plus yard plays, basically, if you kind of cut it off at like 6%, which is right around where like the Chiefs and Bills were at 14th and 15th. Almost every other offense on the way up is ones are ones that we took seriously at one point or another, right? You've got Cleveland before Baker got hurt. You've got uh, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, right? When they kind of figure out their identity with Hurts as a runner, they're able to generate a lot of explosive plays. You've got Kyler Murray in that Cardinals offense. You've got Dak Prescott. You've got the Rams. You've got the Patriots who were hot for a second. You've got the Bengals, obviously. The Raiders, one of Derek Carr's best years of his career. You've got the Vikings who have the pair of receivers that, that hurt you and a very explosive running back. The Niners, the Bucks, and the Seahawks, right? Like all these offenses are, are ones that we've had to take, you know, when they're healthy. You know, the Packers are in that list as well. At one point or another, you can think of them and say, hey, if they got hot, that's a team that even if you don't think that they're Super Bowl contenders can beat other playoff worthy teams or playoff level teams. That's where you've got to be. When I look at success yeah. rate, it's all over the place. And what that tells me is getting a second and seven, it's nice or second and six, excuse me, is nice. But that's not changing the world for you offensively. That's still a win for the defense. To me, I think that where yep. we're at now, because it's so hard, I think, to maintain drives with the yep. two high shells, with how good teams are at fitting the run out of odd fronts and things like that, you are not going to be able to survive down after down just playing for quote-unquote efficiency. And I hate to continue to bring the mallet over the head of the Dolphins so often, but that uh, and, and the uh, Commanders as often as I do, but that they are like the bellwether teams for this. Just like, oh, the RPO is fine. You threw the bubble yep. screen and you were supposed to throw the bubble screen. I'm not yep. going to yell. I can't yell at you for that. But God, this is the most uninspired thing in the world to be at it's second and B five minus all the answer. time. It's exactly. the B minus when the A's there. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, and that's why I think a Miami's front office looks and says, we can't, we have to get something else to add to this offense. Like this just yep. isn't enough. We've got to find some other way to generate explosives. That's why a team like Denver says, hey, it's fine throwing hitch routes, throwing slants and glances, you know, on the interior. It's fine. But we can't live this way. We cannot continue to yeah. succeed this way. It doesn't have to be Cincinnati where, you know, it's just nine balls, you know, until your eyes bleed. But it does have to be something that I think is more sustainable, again, on early downs to punish yeah. defenses for playing soft looks, you know, or for trying to blitz you. If they're going to live in extremes where it's going to be a bunch of soft coverage or a bunch of pressure, you better have some kind of answer to be able to generate explosive plays, whether it's in the run game by being able to do a bunch of different things personnel wise or with misdirection or changing the formation or in the passing game. You've got to be able to generate. You got to turn first and 10 into first and 10 as often as you can. 
It can't always yeah. go, you know, second down, second and short. Right? That used to be yeah. the way we looked at football. Hey, let's get to second and short so we don't have second, to sweat third down as much. Yeah, second no, six. Yeah. we're out of that world. You've got to try to find as many opportunities to turn first and 10 into first and 10 again yeah. um, if you really want to be able to sustain offense over the stretch of a season. Well, that was the push and pull that existed as to like why the ecosystem of the league changed a couple of years ago. And we talked mm-hmm. all we, the, we talked as much as we did about the too high stuff coming into vote because defensive coaches now know that yep. they know that you can't survive on those little chunks over and over and over again. So they are going to do everything in their power to make sure that you can't get those explosive plays. Yep. So now it becomes about seeking them out. And you mentioning the, the Chiefs being, or the Bengals being able to hit those nine routes over and over again. That goes back to the Jimmy Joe's conversation. Yep. It's like, if you just have the dudes that we're going to get the explosives, Jeez. no matter what you do to us, yep. it's a huge part of it. And then the last thing I wanted to say about the Jimmy's and Joe's thing is, think about those teams that if they're, you're using five eligibles uh, all the time, you need to have five offensive linemen who can hold up. Think yeah, about absolutely. the offensive lines for the Rams, the Chiefs, and the Bucks. Mm-hmm. We it's not sexy and not exciting to talk about how important it is to have a good offensive line. We see it. We just yeah. see it in practice now. If you have those five guys that can hold up, think about how good those offensive lines are and now what it affords you with all the other things going and, on. And those Nate. guys have good rules. Well, oh yeah, I was going to say you guys had the good rules. Yeah. That that goes in with it because when you look at that stat when it have all five eligibles out, it's not just saying, "Hey, we run five man protection." That also speaks to when they're in six man protection that they got the back out because that meant their offensive lines rules are good. The goal, and I said this on the pre-show, is my dad's philosophy when he's putting together a protection plan is how do we get the the running back out? How do we, even if we're in six man, how do we not make sure to waste the running back? That's what a good simulated pressure does. They bring four and you waste the running back. So now you're attacking with four eligibles against seven, seven droppers in the coverage. coverage. And that's yeah. the that's terrible unless you're doing a play action where everything's very, very deep, deep, deep. Um, the other thing is, uh, sorry, I just thought about this when you're talking about the explosive plays is Brian Billick used to have the toxic play mm-hmm. differential, which is explosives and turnovers. Yep. So I th- so I think that's going to become more relevant too. But uh, I, I thought about that when you're saying you're looking at explosive yeah, no, plays. Uh, one of, uh, again, to reference a group chat that nobody else knows about, I really got to stop doing this. Uh, but one of <laughs> Nate's recurring bits in our group chat was to send pictures of Jalen Hurts in the pocket in five-man protection last year. <laughs> and just how just, just like how beautiful it looks. Like, and just, so and to beautiful. your point about how good, how important it is, not only to have talented offensive linemen, but to have rules in your offensive yep. line that makes it functional for your back to release. Jeff Stoutland is obviously one of the best in the league, has been yep. one of the best offensive offensive line coaches in the yep. league for a long stretch of time and it kind of speaks to how they were able to manufacture offense for a passing game that was really kind of paltry you know they yes. didn't have a whole lot in terms of talent you know um <laughs> and a quarterback i think that still needs to grow in his ability to work through progression hey the best way to kind of you know associate some of those difficulties is we'll get you as many guys out eligible as we can so it doesn't matter if you don't like it, just check it down. We're not going to kill yeah. you for it. So again, like that, I think we kind of are circling around a lot of the same points in this way because all this stuff kind of is tied together. Yes. And it's funny that you mentioned the Eagles because looking at the numbers, you try to figure out what doesn't make sense here. Like some that are a little higher than you expect. Jalen Hurts was really good against the Blitz last yeah. year. Mm-hmm. Like their numbers against the Blitz were really good. I'm yep. assuming in part because they can give him those sorts of options because of the way their offensive line and their protections are structured. Yep. Yep. They pick it up. It's, pick it it's, up. it's like it's good to have a good quarterback and a good offensive line. <laughs> it's, yep. it's really, hey, maybe you should build a team that way. Maybe that, <laughs> maybe that's the way you want to go about it. But yep. this also, too, this is the flip side that I'm because this was a point, but it wasn't like a real point I had, but I wanted to throw this in. But this was the Ravens discussion was they had bad rules like they were defenses were able to go. We'll blitz you 
you're you're we're going to get a hot runner and we're going to drop a guy into the hot throwing lane. So mm-hmm. what defenses are already now, I mean, Deontay knows this. I mean, this is what Brian Flores does with cover zero stuff and also what Belichick has done for years. If their rules, the defensive rules are playing off your offensive rules, you got to zag. Stop. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> There's no going down that basic path. You have to make the next step. And how you make the next step is you attack vertical or you have to change up your offensive line rules. So the good teams were doing that in different ways. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. I can't figure out whose turn it is now. I think, Deontay, you were were next. Okay, yeah, we're snaking this way. Um, (laughs) I I think that, you know, some of this, uh, it's hard to, I don't want to be too duplicative on what I'm saying, right? Like, because a lot of what I'm saying, what a lot of what I'm going to say now is kind of an amalgamation of these points. Um, Duplicative and amalgamation in the same fucking sentence. Oh, yeah, I'm SAT words. Every SAT word that exists, trust me. But I think a lot of this kind of does wrap back around, which is like being able to ex- to generate explosive offenses while also being able to get the ball out quickly is something that I've really been focused in on a bunch. You know, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but it's a major, major piece, I think, of, you know, A, again, good scheme, understanding, hey, how we need to set up our, our offense based on what we're seeing, and then B, having the quarterback that can say, and this is something I talk to Nate about all the time, to be able to get a look and say, hey, anytime they give us this front, and this safety's here. I think they're rolling a single high, you know, and I think that Aaron Rodgers is probably as good at this as anybody in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know what look this is. Hey, 17, here it comes, right? Yeah. You know, ha- having that option in your offense, again, simplifying your process as much as possible, not only to just get easy yardage, but to go get explosive offense. That to me, again, is like at the top. The Rams, again, win a Super Bowl. You move, you move Jared Goff or Matthew Stafford for that reason. Um, completely, right, entirely, if not exclusively, is to go say, hey, we need a quarterback that can just go generate the offense that we need simply. I don't want to have to put in two different motions and a shift 
and have to fake this and boot that and, and kill this right yep. and check this <laughs> right and, and this um i actually think that this kind of came to hamstring the cowboys i think at the end of the year and you can definitely see it when they played the 49ers right um i think that they were almost so invested in getting to the perfect play all the time yes hey we want to sight adjust on this we want to yep. check to this on that we want to get out of this or do this out of this personnel group you keep trying to yep. find the perfect play and what it ultimately turns into is what san francisco did to them in that wild card round which is Throw the hitches all day. I dare you. I absolutely dare you. You actually got to go take the shot, you know, especially when you get those opportunities. I think the same thing happened to the Chiefs in the second half against the Bengals. Try keep trying to find those perfect explosive plays. It looks great in the first two quarters. And then the second that the defense says, hey, we're going to back up way, way more. You go beat me. You go beat me doing the thing that makes you most uncomfortable. And you can kind of see the short circuiting. I think that happened with the Chiefs offense. I think it's just it's so overrated to try to find these perfect plays or we're out of the era where we saw against um, single high shells for more four down, even front looks where you do have the perfect play to beat cover one. You know, if you got the guys, you do got the play to beat cover one. Um, You know, if you're getting the same even front all the time, you do know how to set the perfect protection against this because you know exactly where you're going to pick it up from because the pressures are a little bit simpler to pick up um, based on the way that the defense is rotated. We're not really in that world defensively anymore. So, again, for the offense, the biggest thing to me is get rid of trying to find the perfect plays all the time. Again, this is my Mickey Mouse offense RPO argument all the time, yeah. right? Trying to find the perfect looks against every last, you know, possible defensive uh, coverage or pressure you're going to get. Just try to generate explosive offense that the, that the quarterback can get to simply. You know, maybe it's in the run game as well. Running away from safety rotation is still, you know, as good as good as it gets offensively. The Browns are about as good at this as anybody else in the NFL. Kevin Stefanski has been great at punishing teams by running away from the rotation. Generate easy, explosive offense. Finding the perfect play is overrated. You will cost yourself <laughs> more than you will find gains in trying to look for the perfect play offensively. That and that's why seven man, seven man, seven step concepts are why, why I'm attached to them. I mean, mm-hmm. it's this is my I'm gonna always have a bias to this, so this is why I'm freaking excited where the league I think is going. <laughs> because again, this is the families I've grown up in between my dad and also in college with Paul Christ. Is why those seven step concepts and even most five step concepts I like them, and where we, you, you guys have mentioned before the pro- progression passing is that those technically should have an answer no matter what the coverage is. Yes. Quick game and other concepts and more designery stuff, it becomes one and done because you're gearing up this play for one guy to get open, which does work when you're playing man all the time, three match, which plays out like man all the time. Uh, you kind of know, okay, we're going to pick this guy or, hey, this guy's an outbreaker against inside leverage. Boom, we just hit him all day. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, now if we don't know where the safety's rotating down, we don't know exactly what kind of variation you're going to be in now we have answers against any variation that you want to throw at us because now we have the time in the pocket for the quarterback to go one to two to three so that's where that's the give and take of this either you want to be quick hitting but the ball has to get out and you have to have the right play or you have a kind of a catch-all play but then your rules have to be really good so it's kind of the emphasis that you would put on and we were talking about dials and that's a that's a good way to talk about dials so while you were talking Deontay I was curious I looked up most attempts in the league last year, most dropbacks in the league last year, 15 or more air yards in less than two and a half seconds. Oh, Brady is probably okay. Like Brady is there. number one by far. Of course. Yeah, 62. Yeah. He's the Roethlisberg. best quarterback we've ever had. He's a freak. What he's easy. doing right now is a freak. It's truly insane It's absurd. look at it. So he had, he had 12 more than anyone else. And the reason I'm saying he had 12 more than anyone else is Ben Roethlisberger was second. It does not count 
because it's for a completely different reason. Yes. He's just saying, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> he right. doesn't want to get hit. Claypool. Yeah. Claypool, please bail me out. Yeah. Somebody win. Yeah. He does not Deontay count. Johnson, so please removing him out. from the conversation. Okay. Yeah. The top four are Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow. Okay. The top four. Are the top What's four. the surprise? <laughs> Where is the surprise? So Kyler and Burrow go balls. Mm-hmm. Rogers is just a freak and Brady's just a freak. Like, yep. I mean, it's just, that's like, yeah, I mean, you figure it out right then and there. Well, so. and I think that Kyler is almost a really perfect example for oh, this yeah. because the second that, that nuke wasn't available for them, you see just how much offense they lose. And now Cliff Kingsbury <laughs> is back in. I've got to find no the perfect play mode. Right. Yep. And, yeah. and the offense falls off a cliff under that context. That's oh, yeah. the reason why you go trade for a guy like DeAndre Hopkins in the first place, because sometimes it's better to have a great player than a great play. Actually, more times than not, it's better to have a great player than a great play. I remember talking to uh, to a coach last year when we were discussing just like the rise of two high defenses and exactly what we were talking about, Deontay, how so many of these teams, especially the Shanahan teams, had all of these single high beaters, right? Yep. Like all mm-hmm. of the over outs, like that's what they were built on. And if you're going to not know what the coverage is before the play starts, that's the challenge of this, right? Mm-hmm. Even if it's single high or even if it's a two high show, you don't know what they're going to play. So right. you have to have these catch-all plays that work no matter what the coverage is. Another version of a catch-all play that works no matter what the coverage is is fuck it, Jamar's down there somewhere. Yep. Yes. Right? <laughs> it's so, yes. There yep. are two versions of this. There hey. are these plays that this we have answers against no matter what the coverage is based on the structure of the play or our guy is better than yours. Like yep. Those are the two versions of it. What drives what drives what drives any fan base more crazy than the Vikings watching Kirk Cousins try to find a perfect throw instead of just giving the ball to Justin Jefferson? Right, <laughs> they lose their mind every yeah. Sunday off of this. And right, it's, I, I talk out both sides of my mouth because I want these pretty plays and everything. And like sometimes, and Bengals fans would love to remind me about it. But uh-huh. it's like it's like yes, I would like like my offense have a little more, you know, a little more window dressing than what the Bengals do. But you can't beat it. Like right. you can't beat just two guys dunking on guys over and over. Nine eighty nine is a good mm-hmm. concept if you have dudes. There's a reason the the Colts ran the shit out of it with Peyton Manning, Reggie Wayne, and Marvin Harrison with Dallas Clark over the middle. They had dudes. If you have dudes, football's pretty easy. One hundred percent. One hundred. All right, Nate. What's your next one? Last one, and this is uh, I don't know if it's my last one, but yeah, kind of last one. The tying into bombing away and attacking vertically. The other way to put the safeties in the bind is pounding the freaking rock and running the ball and especially uh, running. I didn't have to say it this time. I wanted to get all the passing and the cool stuff of quarterbacks out of the way before I got to running the ball. But it's, I mean, but seriously though, this, that is when there's one, one less body in the box, it just becomes juicier run looks. And I'll, I'll, I'll use that term. Um, we're, we're talking about putting safeties in the bind. And I think what's going to happen is we're now going to get a little more separation I'm going to say RPOs, I think, are going to get toned down a little bit in the NFL. I think teams that leaned into them realized the limitations of what they presented. I'm not saying they're going away. I think we're going to get back to the the sprinkling a little pepper and salt as opposed to, you know, the flour and sugar yes. <laughs> of our yes. meal. I mean, like, it's, yeah, just I think, like zone, it's just like zone read, right? Yep. Like, it's nice when it's nice. Once the defense has the answer, you, yep. you, you know, just de-emphasize it. Again, you That's don't why it, it, but you de-emphasize it's it. It's so fun with the NFL because you'll see a new idea come in and then teams pound away at it. And then the defense or the offenses on the other side have their answer. And then you see kind of like the distilled version remains in the NFL for years and years. So like, yep. that's what, that's what we're getting to. But 
same thing with putting the safeties in the bind. That's what they're doing. When when you're in a simple quarters coverage, the safeties have to be the run fill. We used to face this all the time in the Big Ten because guess what? Big Ten teams like to run the ball. So you want to get those safeties in the run fit. And we have a Narduzzi. Narduzzi was the big one at Michigan State when he was mm-hmm. defensive coordinator there. He's now the head coach at, uh, at Pitt right now. But you're putting those safeties in the bind. You do this with quick hit play action. You do it with hitting them over the top. If you don't hit them over the top and threaten them to hit some behind them, like a, you know, like a center fielder, then they're just going to keep creeping up and up and up and up. So if you're hitting them over the top, hitting them over the top, it's going to loosen up the run game. And if the safeties are in a bind and now they're staying high, staying past 10 yards at the snap of the ball, you can get to different runs. We outside zone became the meta because defenses were on single high. And there's only a certain amount of runs you can run against single high coverages. You can't really run inside zone unless you do some fancy stuff. You can't really run power, single back power. You can do two back power, but not single back power. Um, you can do pin pull and you can do outside zone. Those are called run it runs. And so that became the meta, M-E-T-A. What does that mean, run it runs? Run it runs is no matter what the defensive look is, we can run this run. And I can I can check to it if I have, like, you can do a run, run, kill, or alert. And it's whatever, whatever defensive look. That's why Shanahan offenses traditionally, they have varied it up now. Why they always ran outside zone? Because they said, whatever you freaking do against us, we, we can run the same play. And it's different little tweaks on it. And our guys are going to get better and better at it because they rep the crap out of it. So You're dictating in that situation. You're dictating it. And if it's single high, now we don't have to worry about being single high. We have a run that has answers to your single high. So now we're getting too high. So what's kind of cool is now we're getting some more run, different types of runs sprinkled back in. Duo is another run at run. You're always going to have duo, but you're also going to have like, I mean, it's really cool to kind of look around the league and see which runs were kind of getting like emphasized this year and which team, it was a lot of offenses going like, oh shit, we can run that now. Okay, okay, oh, there's no safety we have to worry about. So let's, let's run that. And it's like well, the second half of the year, you saw a lot more variations of run plays. So the one that I, um, I'm going to make sure to tweet this one 100,000 times, but the Chiefs will run the Y insert play, which is really just lead zone, but doing it out of a spread formation. And so Y insert is just the tight end is off the ball. He folds inside like a fullback and the running back runs behind him. And they started getting to that in the second half of the year. It was really pretty actually. The Bills did too, right? When Bills they were, when they had more of those Gilliam plays, it feels like they had yes. kind of runs that were similarly structured to that, which yep. not a surprise that those teams had to come to similar solutions based on how teams were playing against, against them. And they were the same two teams that ran to issues with RPOs and running to the limitation. They're like, damn it, we have to run straight runs now. So we're going to get the RPOs kind of separated again. Um, another one, oh, well, GT counter read. GT counter is the garden tackle pulling. They're running counter. You can't run counter usually against a single high box. GT counter is a little different. I'm going to get to it in a sec, but a traditional counter is a guard pulling and a tight end pulling, and you're going to the weak side. You can't run that against a single high box. Just the numbers aren't right unless you read something with the quarterback. So GT counter is the guard and tackle pulling. This is the Oklahoma play that they ran for years and years. The Ravens have been running it with Lamar Jackson. Um, the freaking Eagles are brilliant with this play. It is beautiful running this. I'm glad I watched it this week. It was really cool. Yeah, they cool. got the dudes. Holy crap. Malata <laughs> pulling is like, <laughs> They oh got my. the dudes. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's cool. It's really cool to watch them. So that's another run teams are getting to. Straight QB runs, like the Bills running, where they just are, he's a single single wing back. Like, uh, that's just use a quarterback. But that makes sense because with spread it out, they're going to be in too high. There's only one linebacker in the box or zero linebackers in the box. Boom, let's pound away at it. Also, you're getting taken advantage of offensive linemen getting more athletic, uh, centers pulling. So you're getting to these runs because also like the Eagles were really fun to watch because of other runs that they were kind of like uh, tweaking. 
So they would have the tackle kick out, the tight end climb on their zone plays. Just little tweaks because they knew what the fronts were going to be. The traditional way, this is my last point, the traditional way um, like that you run to get, if I had a too high defense, usually if I got a play call as a quarterback, the two runs I'll get are a counter or a weak side zone. Weak side zone is the traditional play you could run um, out of these looks against too high defenses. But now teams are like, all right, what else can we run? Okay, what else can we throw in there? What other tweaks can we do? We can do center pole zone plays. I know that sounds weird with pole and zone, but it's it's a look. I'll tweet it if anyone's curious. <laughs> it's a zone adjustment that defense uh, offenses can do, but we're seeing more of it. Centers are more athletic and also just the looks that defenses are giving. It you have the guard pinned down, center pulls around him, it plays out just like zone guys. It's not that I'm trying to make it I'm trying to go 201 and 101 here. <laughs> so yep. I'm sorry, guys. But it's it those types of runs. That's why I want to see with the Ravens with Tyra Lindebaum. So yeah. I'm, I'm I want to my see, first thought when you were talking about yep, that. That's where it's going. We're getting into these athletic guys because everyone has to pull now. You it's it used to be athletic guys because they have to run zone and get to the second level. Ooh, 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 like hurry, get a lot of 290 pounders. Now it's getting these guys to pull and getting them out in space. And it, when you get defenses that are getting lighter and faster, you need offensive linemen that can catch them. So that that's the answer to that. So really, I think the second half of last year, offenses realized after bye weeks when they did self-study that they're like, self-scout, they're like, oh shit, we got to change up our run attack. We don't just have to run zone. We can do this, 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 and this. The safety's staying back. We can do this, this, and this, and this. So I think we're going to see more teams lean into it this year. So I'm really excited to see where the run games go in 2022. Dante, you got one more? That was it. I mean, honestly, the last thing I was going to say was that running the football but it still matters. And I was going to kind of detail all the same things that Nate did. So <laughs> he covered it for me. Like I said, I'm just glad that I didn't have to be the guy who said it this time. You heard it from the <laughs> offensive guy. Pound the rock. But I went to Wisconsin. My dad's an offensive line coach. That's uh, I'm going to have that. Uh, even though I was a quarterback, it's always going to be hey, burning in my brain. And this show was hosted by a center. So hey, man. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> a, a center grew up in the Midwest. Yeah, I think we we know what our it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got one more. Yeah. And Nate, you alluded to this a little bit earlier. And this is not a crazy idea, but just looking at some of the numbers, you have to be able to weaponize your best pass catchers. Yes. And that involves just lining them up all over the place, right? So I was looking at just yards per route run from the slot last year. Top five. Devontae Adams, Cooper yep. Cup, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, Jamar Chase were the top five. <laughs> and it would be easy to say, well, those guys have probably the highest yards per route run when they're on the outside too. But to a man, every single one, that number is higher from the slot than it is outside. It's because it's a cheat code. Yep. Mm -hmm. what you can do with that guy inside. I went back and I watched all of Devontae Adams' most of Devontae Adams' slot receptions last year. So he only had 251 slot snaps last year. He had 78 slot targets. He was seventh That's wild. in slot targets Insane. despite being 39th in slot snaps. What was the quote you had about like having the right guy in the slot there with, uh, with Reich? You know, same with that. The Packers are the epitome of that because it yes. was, hey, we're throwing the ball. Adams is there. If not, Lazard or MBS is right there. <laughs> and when you just put him there, yep. it, it, the fact that he, that's an insane number. That's, he had yeah. 70, he was seventh in slot targets despite being 39th in slot snaps. So that's when crazy. he was there, they're like, eh, fuck it, we got it. Yeah. Like it, every single time. And just when you watch some of those plays just play out, like the touchdown he had against the Bears, I tweeted one today against the Vikings. When oh, he has awesome. that two way go and you have all of that space, there's nothing you can do about it. And just having that guy and understanding we're going to move him around a ton and make, make it hard on defenses. Just make it hard. Don't make it easy on them. And the distribution of these snaps I, I thought was fascinating. So Cooper Cup, 
his snaps this year, 281 in the left slot, 247 in the right slot, 245 wide left, 202 wide right. Love it. Debo, 62 in the left slot, 83 in the right slot, 325 wide to the right, 266 wide to the left. This was my favorite one. 37 as a single back halfback, 37 offset to the right, 40 offset to the left. It's distributed evenly yeah. all over the place. You have no fucking clue where these guys are going to be on any given play. And just having players like that and just saying, I'm going to come hell or high water. I'm going to find every single way I can get this guy the ball. Every single way. And weaponizing your best players is not a new idea. But going back and watching the Packers again and just seeing how they do it with him and then just all the other guys that we think are in that tier of player, yeah. it, it just comes and- up over and over again. It's not even just receivers, like uh, tight ends, of course, but even a guy like the Saints last year with Kamara. The Saints had jack shit for receivers and tight ends. I mean, it was tough if you watch it, but James, like when we're doing the play action stuff, Jameis was the best quarterback. If you go drop down the filter to 150 pass attempts for all yeah, the quarterbacks, yeah. he's he was the best quarterback out of play action. And a lot of that was because he would just check it down. When we say touchdown to check down, all that stuff vertical makes so much room for these guys to operate underneath. And if you have a plus plus guy with the ball in his hands as the underneath option, those turn into good plays. And that's the same kind of thing. Let's get your best weapons in the best spots, yep. which sounds simple, but <laughs> it's Godwin it's, with the bucks, you know, obviously yep. Cooper cup. We've yep. talked about, you know, uh, you know, all these guys, I think Michael Gallup with the Cowboys, right? Like who I would maybe not call this their best receiver, but certainly the guy who's most pliable and one of the guys that they have the easiest time getting the football to, right. You think about, you know, I think that the Buffalo is probably going to have to start looking into this with guys like Stephon Diggs. You know, yeah. maybe they're not moving him as often as you would move a guy like Devontae Adams, but you have to be a little bit more flexible with these types of players. George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, mm-hmm. you know, you think about all these guys who you quote unquote manufacture touches for. It's so, again, it's so hard to generate explosive offense in today's today's NFL. You have to get your best guys in position where they can be close and, you know, front and center in the quarterback's uh, progression. Yeah, it's 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 good talking about both sides of your mouth. It's manufacturing touches, but also going no, go through the progression. But yep, uh-huh. hint, 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 wink, wink. Guess who's the number one read right here? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It was funny looking at the numbers. The one guy who's like an outlier when it comes to the usage with this, because Devontae Adams, forty four percent of his targets last year were from the slot, despite that the snaps weren't aligned like that at all. Yeah. But when he was in the slot, they threw him the ball. Cup, high number. Debo, more targets than snaps. A.J. Brown, I think, was 40% of his targets, only 33% of his snaps. So when they were there, they went to them. Mm -hmm. The exception to this is Jamar Chase is like 17% of his targets because Tyler Boyd plays in the slot for them. So they're just more defined roles for that offense. So he's the only guy who's up there in the tier of receivers that wasn't used in as many different ways just because, first of all, if the 989 is working all the time, you're just chucking go balls to him all the time. Who cares? But also they have a guy who plays 98% of the time in the slot. So that's like the only little complicated they're very, factor. They're very there. traditional. Like yeah. he, he, a lot of his slot snaps or two are like when they're an empty and the backs outside of them. And so yeah, he's, yeah, like yeah, this, yeah. he's technically in the slot. Like, yeah. So it's like they're, they're so like statically static like that. So yeah, just looking at the fact that the best receivers in the league are also the guys crushing people from the slot. It's just, yeah. you have to move those guys around. So that was Absolutely. the last one I had, which again, is not totally revolutionary concept, <laughs> but it kept coming up as I was thinking and talking about this. Exactly. All right. That's all we got. Guys, that was very fun. Uh, very dense. Um, if you guys need to listen to it twice, uh, go ahead. If you need some tweets to help you out, I'm, I'm, I'm sure Nate's going to throw some up there. <laughs> right. But 
You know what? Well, when we get to when we pay for video rights at the athletic, it'll really change. <laughs> That'd be <things>. great. <laughs> be great. Don't you worry. Uh, some syn- synergy articles that go with the, with the, with yeah. these terminology podcasts. Yes. All right, guys. Thank you very, very much for listening. Please enjoy your Fourth of July weekend. Have fun. Be safe. Closing out our show today, we are going to give you the trailer for Luck, our Andrew Luck narrative podcast that Zach Kiefer has been working on for months. We are incredibly excited about this project. It is going to be coming to you the week of July 11th. All six episodes will drop on July 11th. You can binge it if you want to. Listen to one a day if you want to. You can listen to whatever you want because we will not be coming to you with regular shows that week. It is all about Luck, the week of July 11th. Please check out the trailer and please check out the show when it drops a little bit later. We'll be back on Tuesday for now. Appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you soon. At the center of one of the greatest what ifs in NFL history is one of the greatest quarterback prospects of all time. What if the Colts had protected Andrew Luck? It's amazing that the Colts could move on from Peyton Manning and nobody really blinked. The reason why Andrew turned around the Colts and turned around Stanford was that beast inside of him that would look at the opposing team and saying, I'm going to kill you today. My encounters with him were unlike other encounters I would have with quarterbacks. He could have been a thoracic surgeon. He could have been anything. I don't think there's ever been a smaller gap between someone's floor and their ceiling. If it's one to 10, he's a 10 in every category. There's Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, all wrapped up one. High end, he's a Hall of Famer. Low end, he's a multi-year Pro Bowler. Like, I can't see there's any way this guy doesn't succeed. I just remember him saying, Jacoby, like, this is going to sound weird, but, but can you hit me on the sideline? Because I need to feel the game right now. I go, I don't think I'm supposed to hit you. With Andrew, it was very secretive. Seeing all the treatment he would go through, see all the hits he would endure. It was like, man, I know you have to be injured. He gets sandwiched between two linebackers at that moment. He has a ruptured kidney. The sort of injury you sustain in a car crash, basically. I never knew what the hell was bothering me until all this news came out. And it was like, oh, wait, he was suffering from this? It was all news to us. If the people that succeeded us had put a team around him, as we did with Peyton, the results probably would have been the same. Andrew Luck has become a cautionary tale for any team with an up-and-coming quarterback who doesn't have protection. I remember both of us having a moment where we both were teary-eyed going, man, this beautiful, beautiful player is uh, not going to play anymore. I'm Zach Kiefer from The Athletic, and I'm the host of a new podcast series called Luck. It's the Andrew Luck story as you've never heard it. The series looks to answer this question. How did the greatest quarterback prospect since John Elway, the very player the Colts moved on from Peyton Manning for, end up walking away from the game before he was 30 years old? All six episodes will be released on July 11th. Look for Luck on The Athletic Football Show podcast feed wherever you get your podcast. And listen to Luck ad-free on the Athletic app.